Hi everybody, welcome to Wrong Term Memory. As always, it is me, Jack. And it's me, Colin, and we're back after last week's show and all the great feedback we got from the patrons. We thought it was only right to bring Shane back for part two. Um, we definitely are not recording this immediately after part one. <laughs> With good comments, that would be showing you how the sausage is made, and we don't do that. But Shane, <laughs> welcome back. Hi, thanks again. Yeah. What have you been up to the last seven days? Uh, <laughs> let's, I'll tell you what, man. It's, we got to do the Clarkson thing, right? But, uh, Hamas really came back strong. <laughs> or, man, Israel really finished that thing about as quick as we thought they would. Who'd have thought a game of football would have settled it? There we go. <laughs> how do you think Clement done in his first game? Fucking fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Son of a yeah. bitch, fire him already. <laughs> I can't believe this. I've scored five. <laughs> Yo, one thing's for certain, though, we're definitely not going to have a director of football either way. So. <laughs> nah, not at all. Not at all. Right. We will um, dive back into some of the, the listener questions then. And Jock left a question. And Kenny was like farting about and. Basically, it's just asking about American gun laws, Shane, and basically, <laughs> I think your opinion on them. So let's just go straight in. Uh, I say this, now I've only ever had a gun pulled on me once, so I'm I'm pretty... One time too many? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that's... Yeah, that was... That was um. I, I think, you know, anybody obviously listen to Crow Pod, follow along with me on Twitter over the years or wherever the hell it is. I, I'm not a fan of our gun laws. I, I tend to have issues around the idea that six-year-olds can't go to school and have the expectation of uh, not having their face blown off by a weapon that was designed to fire through the jungles of Vietnam. Um, that you can just go to Walmart and purchase, you know, with a mandatory waiting period, depending on what state you're in, uh, and then grab a thousand rounds of ammunition on the way out the door if you want to do it. You know, it's um, it, it's not. I don't enjoy it, <laughs> and I live in a you know, as we talked about last week, uh, oh. a fairly uh, a fairly violent city. I say with a lot of issues around uh, guns. Um, you know, it's it's one of the great pastimes of Rockford, especially during the summer months. It tends to be you know more of a problem when it when it heats up. Uh, people don't like being outside in the winter here for obvious reasons. But you get to play uh, a, a lot of rounds of gunshots or fireworks, and you know <laughs> I've I've been here long enough and living on the west side of town as I have nearly the whole time I've lived here. I'm pretty goddamn good at it. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's weird living with that in the back of your head. Um, you know, when I was running uh, bars, especially some of the bigger ones, you know, where we had music events consistently. Um, you know, I ran one where we, we could get 600 people in for a show. And um, that was part of what you went through either as a management team uh, prior to, you know, opening the doors for starting to let people in, or you had to run through your head uh, with your, yourself, your security team, you know, how do we handle the exit situation? How do we run through this? Go into the fucking movie theater, you know, or again, kids, I, I can't imagine. Cause you know, Columbine, I think it was a sophomore in high school. 
so year year ten, year eleven, maybe when that happened. Um, we've had a whole generation of kids that have grown up, grown up uh, doing active shooter drills uh, from the time that they're they're in kindergarten. Shot I, I can't like... imagine what that does to their psyche. And, and you the know, fact it, is, sorry, sorry for interrupting, but the no, fact no, is no. the the UK that. It's just got to the stage now where it happens that much they don't get reported. Yeah. Um, no, like I, you know, I mean, there's, there's there's more. I mean, there's always uh, has been for years on average more than one mass shooting per day. And, of course, the FBI defines a mass shooting as anyone with four or more victims. Um, it's, uh, yeah. And then, you know, and now, especially with the current political climate, um well, there was a story in Portland uh, just last week where, you know, this small dick energy, Mer- you know, is driving a Mercedes SUV with like all the black rams and fucking everything, you know. And these people have been driven into a frenzy. I think like Portland's some kind of fucking hellhole as opposed to, I mean, it's it's got to be in the top, you know, half percent of places in the world that you would want to live, right? I mean... It's it's just a normal fucking city, except for these kinds of people. This guy in a road rage incident, right, pulled a a, a pistol out from underneath his seat because he's already just fucked up in the head that he thinks he needs to carry a firearm under the front seat of his car all the time. Shoots a guy in the chest. And as someone is standing there watching this, who takes his camera out, takes a picture uh, of this guy, pointing the gun at him right before he shoots him. Now the, the the guy who took the picture lived, and this thing should win a Pulitzer. It's the unbelievable photo, and you can find it, you know, Twitter or wherever. Um, sadly, the the first guy not so lucky, but you know, I, again, it's you have to think about it constantly, and it's it's fucking horrifying. And of course, you know, we've heard forever, you know, good good uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people, but also the the, the good guy with a gun. I guarantee this son of a bitch was a good guy with a gun until he wasn't, which is that, the problem. <laughs> I think that's the issue, man, because you can just get the rage. Yes. And at that 0.1 milliseconds of your life, you hang, yeah. fuck this guy. Yeah. And you shoot him. Yeah. And, well, well, and, and again, you know, every time there's you get like one of those stabbings in China, there's like 27, look at how many people were stabbed. Yeah, but nobody either. Not to take away from anybody ever dying, but you know, you, like one person died, or nobody fucking died. You know, we had that. Guy, oh God, the the guy in fucking Los Angeles who was sitting up there in whatever the twenty first floor of his hotel in Vegas, who shot five hundred fifty some odd people and killed what was this? I see this. I can't remember how many people he killed because this shit happens all the time. But it was somewhere mm-hmm. around sixty people in two and a half minutes. With guns that you can just go buy at the goddamn store, you know. I mean, don't don't wish to have that. It's like, you know, you have when the Second Amendment was written. What what was the most powerful weapon in the world? Like a really big cannon that you could shoot once every six fucking minutes or something. You know, and 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 you have musket had to like yeah, bullet yeah. And, and, and you, really you might get lucky to hit. You had to you know, really think about murdering somebody. Yeah. Yes, 
And now, you know, like I, said, I mean, you have these weapons that were holy. I mean, us three right here, us three. You, you know, you fired a gun once, Colin. Ever? No, maybe um, only in a shooting green sort of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you guys have both fired a gun once. I'm not, you know, like I've I've gone out and shot uh, like trap and stuff. You know, the, my family is a sporting hunting fishing kind of family and you know they have them for that they're all safely locked up when they're not in use all that can you know whatever responsible gun owners but still with way too many um us three with like an ar-15 and a couple thousand rounds of ammunition go back to 1776 and polish off both the continental and british armies in about two fucking days (laughs) <laughs> because that's what those weapons are capable Mate, of. I, this is weird. I've had like no, like you, you totally, you, you daydream or you think like about time travel and stuff like that. One of my big ones is going back in time with a machine gun. Yeah, and just standing at the front, going out to the king guy. Look, don't worry, mate. See all them in front of us. <laughs> just listen to this. <laughs> Done. Can I be king now? Can I be top dog? Like, I have had that thought pass through my mind because it is wild how easy it is to murder thousands of people. Yeah, it's far too, far too easy. Far too easy. Um, The only time I shot a gun was in Orlando at this place called uh, Machine Gun America, it's called. And um, it's got moving targets and it's got one of the the rooms you shoot, uh, you actually shoot like a screen, like a green screen, but you can see what's on it. And I actually had like targets going by with Bin Laden's face on them and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. horrendous, but so much fun. Yeah. yeah it's so much fun again. Like me and uh me and friends went to Poland a few good few years ago now, to be fair. And I don't know if it's legal there, but you can go and you can go to a gun range. And the gun range, it's not got L C D screens or anything like that. It's just a pile of mud uh, about a hundred yards away. And yeah. you put up paper, paper targets and you shoot into the mud. But shooting an AK-47 and a Magnum gun gave me such a natural high and my friends that once we left that place and got into a taxi, it was as if we were stoned, stoned teenagers, <laughs> and we all hit the giggles. <laughs> because we were, that dopamine kick, that serotonin release, of shooting a gun at a pile of mud well, was well, such it, a buzz at the time that we it, were high. I mean, the the other thing with them too, you know, like stabbing someone to death is very hard. I, very, I'm not per, speaking very, from per, very personal, very personal. Yes, yeah. and also, you know, most of the time you end up stabbing yourself. Like, you know, there, there's a higher risk assessment level of risk assessment involved, and most of the other ways that you have to go about murdering somebody. There, there's n- nothing with it when it comes to a firearm. You know, it's, it's, I, you know, and like you said right there, it, it, the, the thing it does with people's fucking heads. I mean, it's, it, you it's see the redneck's going, yeehaw! Yeah. Because they're getting a buzz from it. Oh, you see, you know, like you get these, uh, you know, American government American officials government. that, that <laughs> send out, uh, they're like family Christmas cards, and the, the three month old is like holding a, fucking Glock 9mm or something. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's insane. And, you know, and again, like I said, you have to think about this stuff all the time. You know, I mean, like, I, I, there's only a couple few pubs that I'll go to regularly. Mostly, you know, I know everybody there, 
but also because I think about this kind of stuff. You know, I, I there's bars in town that I just don't go to. I mean, like in case you fucking, get shot. Well, a, a former friend of mine, uh, Tony, who owned a bar down here in the south, a guy just walked in. Well, put two two in his knees a couple of years before uh, he ended up being you know murdered in his own bar. Now, obviously, there there were exigent circumstances around money and God knows what else things that you can buy with money, perhaps. Um, but still, you know, I mean, that it's just, it's just there, you know, yeah. people get shot because somebody got pissed off at Walmart. Uh, people get shot because, you know, you cut me off going to the gas pump, you know, whatever the hell it is. And it's, it's just an omnipresent part of life that is always, I mean, if you're a reasonable person, I think is always in your head. Um, I think if uh, I had a gun, scary. <laughs> I think if I had a gun in my car and somebody road rage me as in like stopped and jumped out of their car to confront me, I would pull out my gun and she don't fucking threaten me. Yeah. And that that's only one step away from basically shooting them, I think. Well, I mean, that's, that's the, the case in this Oregon thing. You know, because the guy had a gun, what do you do? He reached for the fucking gun and kill the guy. Yeah. For what? For what? Because somebody cut you off? But, you know, I, I, well, and again, I mean, it, it's, it comes with, there's a bigger part of the American philosophy in here, too, you know, that we're so gung ho about the death penalty and other such things. But when the state sanctions murder, it creates a mindset in a lot of people that that's an appropriate response. You know, people. God, the the local TV news channels or local news outlets here, like their Facebook pages, some of the most horrifying. Oh fuck! It's it's Uh, like the local community pages in Glasgow. Oh man, but you know it'll be like some. Well, I mean, there's plenty of cases, obviously, of cops shooting innocent people, uh, killing innocent people, but you know when somebody gets murdered for like. They robbed a car or whatever. And these people, oh, well, you deserved it. I'm so, what part of our system of laws does it say punishment for auto theft? Shoot the fucker. You know, it's not punishable by death. I, I mean, the, the only crimes punishable by death anymore are death. And even then, only in very extreme circumstances and only in a certain number of states. And yet, every time this kind of thing happens, you have people that sit there and go, oh, well, he deserves... No! No! That's not... Again, you've created... This comes back to the state sanctioning and authorizing, allowing uh, death to be a punishment for certain crimes that... Oh, God. That's bad. (laughs) We've maybe discussed this before, Colin, and I'm sort of torn on this because I believe that there are people that deserve to die. But I don't know if I agree with, like you say, state-sanctioned death penalties. So I'm kind of torn there. Th- there's people that deserve to die. There is people that deserve yeah. to die for their crimes because they're so heinous. But at the same time, if it's state-sanctioned, then there might be miscarriages there. Then something could go wrong. Somebody could get put in jail for the wrong reasons and end up getting murdered oh. for for nothing. So. <laughs> 
I'm yeah, not, I mean, cool. we have whole we have whole legal defense projects dedicated, you know, getting people. Oh God, I mean, cases very prominent cases. Anybody wants to find out about them, by all means, hit me up on Twitter. I'm more than happy to steer you in the right direction on some of this stuff. Where the state knows is trying and convicting someone who had nothing to do with the crime, but because of the way our it's a criminal uh, it's a criminal justice system, system. right? Right. Not not. Mm-hmm. Not a system set out to reach the right outcome, but a system set out to attain justice at whatever cost. And we have killed in this country many people who did not commit the crime that they were accused of, who who didn't commit a crime at all in many cases. Again, it creates that mindset, you know? There's a Kevin Spacey film, is it The Life and Times of David Gale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really powerful about that. Basically, the guy basically gets himself convicted and gets himself the death penalty on purpose when he's innocent, just yeah. to show up how much of a mess the sort of correctional system is. Um, yeah. My biggest issue with the question, Jack, would be it's not so much even just the police being corrupt or the police making mistakes or the police pushing through convictions. It's putting that sort of decision-making in the hands of 12 members of the public who... Are not professional jurors, and like I think the idea of putting Joe Public in charge of any trial and put as part of the jury is madness. Like it's people you wouldn't trust to go and get your shopping for you, but they they they, they get to have a say in big courtrooms and stuff like that. So so I I listened to a podcast recently about the the juror system, and I might fumble the stats here a little bit, but there's something like when you go to juror trial basically there's only about 10% of cases that actually go there because most of the time it just gets put in front of a judge and of those 10% of cases that go in front of the jurors only about 10% of them are actually come back as a, a guilty verdict I think right? I, might have, I might have fumbled those stats quite badly <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that the first one I said that 90% of cases go don't go to jury. So yes. The only way they go to they go to jury because they think lawyers think they can manipulate the jury to get the right Yeah. Or the wrong in their eyes, but the right or the wrong. I think it's even it's even more different in America obviously over here you your name just gets called and you're you're on the jury. And unless you know the person, you're there. I think over in America, if John Grissom books are to be believed, um, like lawyers can just write off, say, no, I don't want him on the jury because his uncle works in a cigarette factory. So he, they, they get vetoes. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they get a certain number of strikes um, yeah. in that regard. And then, you know... Uh, like for me, you know, I got, I got called a jury dude once and I was like, I'm a journalist. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of here. You know, like, they, they don't want you anywhere near that because you can think about stuff critically and that kind of thing. And but, lawyers don't want that. So, some of the, the jury selection things, like that's how technical that I get. <laughs> when it comes to race, like, so they, they, they can't, they can't say that I don't want uh, Jim to come on because he's black. Right. So all they need to do is find out something else. Or Jim works in uh, Jim works in a pharmacy. Yeah. So that's why I don't want him. And they just make it up. 
Yeah, uh, well, I mean, clearly because he's black or or he's white or he's Hispanic, but they just need to come up with one other reason, and he can get vetoed. No, I mean, there's so much about you know, the, the way our voting systems. You know, like it's okay to gerrymander based off of your political leanings, but not to gerrymander for race. But you know, if you can couch your racism and your political beliefs then that's okay. You know, I mean, so much, obviously, so much of our system of government and law and everything is, uh, well, tr- trying to get around uh, being racist. <laughs> and um, it's, you know, it's, well, I, you know, and again, you, you talk about like the number of cases that go to trial or whatever it may be. I mean, so, so much, again, it's a criminal justice system, right? Justice. They want justice, however the fuck they get it. And you have, you know, district attorneys who are elected officials, they got to stay in office. They got to be able to show a conviction rate and all this kind of stuff. So they're incentivized to gain convictions. And the way that they do this very often is getting people to plead out. Um, you know, obviously you have people at the, the, the lower levels of education, attainment, um, uh, financial status, social status, uh, you know, recidivism obviously is a very big deal because once you go to prison, you're more likely to go back to prison again because getting a job when you get out is hard. Opportunities in life, obviously much more difficult. And when, you know, you don't have food, you're more likely to steal food or whatever the hell it may be. But, you know, they, they try to get people to plead out. And this starts from the very beginning of, say, when the police arrest you. Again, whether or not you've done it, you know, I mean, there's many, many prominent uh, uh, examples of cops getting people to admit to crimes that uh, they clearly never did, you know, and it's that starts the flow there because you know you have undereducated people, uh, people without opportunities to, to access lawyers, very well paid. You know, you, you have the right to an attorney, as I'm sure you all know from watching Law and Order or any of your. <laughs> American police. Uh, but your attorney just happens to be Billy from round the corner. <laughs> yeah, and he's got 200 fucking other cases to get to today, and also he gets paid about one-tenth of what the guy on the other side gets. You know, so the, the, it's it's a system to churn people in and out of, you know, prisons. Well, fuck, I mean, this is without even getting to the fact that we have a for-profit prison system in this country. As if for-profit healthcare isn't bad enough. You know, we have a for-profit prison system. Did you watch uh, Veep, Shane? Oh yes. The, yeah, there's there's the, the the guy in that that runs the prisons as a fantastic character, but yeah. that's all he's about is let's put more people in jail because me, yeah, the guy that runs the prisons makes more money. Yeah. He's a fantastic character, and his daughter marries the or is going to marry the big tall. Anyway, yeah, the, yeah. Go and watch Veep, right? Yes, that's Ayanuchi, so it's uh, it's accessible yeah. on that kind of level. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, really accessible. But like talking about Veep, then like that, like like you say, it's accessible. There, that puts that in front of you. You've never watched anything like that before, and it, you don't really drill down into the idea of a guy owning all the prisons. Yeah, but it just puts it in front of you and says, "This is real." Yeah. Well, I, you know, you, you look, uh, you know, one, one thing is that the, is it in the 14th amendment, 15, one, it's one of the, you know, the, the civil war amendments. Um, 
the outlawed slavery except for in cases of uh, imprisonment. So, of course, what did Southerners do? Well, they started arresting black people for everything, putting them back in jail. Now, you know, they can work for free. Um, there are, you know, massive cotton plantations in the South to this day. They're still tilled by the hands of African-Americans imprisoned in this system that they can't get out of. Who, while they have to be paid, can be paid as low as four cents a day. And if that's not fucking slavery, I don't know what is. And, and the, you know, it's it's one of those things, you know, you get like we were talking about earlier. Why? Uh, why were they mad at Biden for uh, the, the student loans? I think we were talking about it last week, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's one of those that if you want to validate your own position, you're going to you're going to search for any way you can. And you either get people who say, well, slavery ended in 1865. Why are we still talking about this? Or the civil rights, uh, you know, amendments were passed in the late 1960s. Why are we still talking about it? Because it still fucking happens today. I mean, my, my city here in Rockford in the early 1990s wasn't my city at that time, but, you know, is now. And this was still on my tax bill, was sued by the Department of Education for effectively resegregating schools. Right now, Brown v. Board. The, the great, one of the best things that the nation has ever done, you know, desegregating schools and a 9-0 Supreme Court decision, how they got there leaves something to be desired. But um, this was in the early 90s that we effectively resegregated schools in a town with a lot of minorities. You know, you know it's a fairly poor community. It's a typical Midwest community, Rust Belt, you know, jobs went to China bullshit. Um this was on the tax bill for about 25 years for people. You know, I, I, I paid for this after I moved here. However many years after the fact, it was on my tax bill, this, this lawsuit by the Department of Education. And now these schools here are being investigated again by the Department of Education for doing the exact same fucking shit that they got fined $285 million for in 1994. That's mental. It's in, it, it, it doesn't, it hasn't stopped. And, and, you know, it's the thing, like I said, it's, it's all part of this psychosis of just the state and it, it, it ingrains itself. And then you get cesspools like xtwitter.com and Fox News and all this shit that, you know, validates this kind of stuff for people. If you want to find an echo chamber, you can. It's pretty goddamn easy. Right. America. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, that's um, nearly half an hour spent on Jock's question. So, <laughs> well done, Jock. This is yeah. like the crow pod now. We, we take like 20 questions to get the two. Well, I know we do it all the time as well, mate. So, right, let me see. Do we, do we want to lighten it up a bit? Please, God. Right, okay. Fuck. So, Gordon's asking our question. This is a different Gordon from the Gordon last week, but. So if you were a professional sportsman, what would you be and what type of player? So let's take out soccer, football, right? right. Because obviously we're all going to say Brian be a football player and be fucking <laughs> Brian Lauder or Messi or somebody brilliant, right? So, Colin? Um, okay, if you take football out of it, then I, the passion comes out of the answer mostly. So 
Mm-hmm. I probably want to be the one that earns the most money for doing the least. <laughs> I knew you. I knew you were going to say that. So I would have suggested. Now Shane might be able to correct me on this, but I'd suggest just being a baseball player. Then you still need to run down the diamond. No, golf, though. golf would be a lot of walking in golf, isn't there? Yeah, um, yeah, but well, yeah, but you have to walk and run in baseball. I mean, yeah. <laughs> And uh, something gets thrown at you at a very high rate of speed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. like, ideally, it'd be good to be a wrestler, but that's not a good life. Um, no. All the time. You're traveling all the time. Yeah. Um, baseball's been a good one. Maybe just, just hitting, because it's, it's just rounders, isn't it? And I was quite good at rounders back in the day. <laughs> so I'd, go, I'd maybe go with what, like, the best baseball player in the world. Like, I'd be Babe Ruth, too. <laughs> <laughs> Babe Colin. <laughs> That's your fucking Twitter name, which baby calling. Right. Okay, Shane. Yep. Again, alien race to me. The Americans. What of the American sports do you enjoy, and what don't you enjoy? Uh I mean, I, I, I love baseball. Um, if you want, again, you can go back to old Crow Pods. There's one where I'm trying to explain baseball to Colin. Because he doesn't understand it, but uh, my Colin, obviously. Um, but uh, ah, it, it's ba- baseball was absolutely flawless in this regard, and you know they've adjusted it slightly with a pitch clock. But it, it was the only sport really without a clock on. And still, though, as long as you keep scoring, you keep playing, and there isn't really another sport. I guess you know technically you couldn't. Test cricket? I don't know, but you're not going to. I mean, it's just in the rules. I, is, look, if you don't make the 27th out, you keep playing. Um, and there, there's something romantic about that notion. That you know, I think it, it it it's that well, like the movie version of baseball, the the youthful exuberance, and you know, like the Sandlot and that kind of shit. Um, that that keeps it going. I mean, the things I don't like. Um, you know, again, having a, a second guy standing for Speaker of the House involved with a, a problem around physicians touching student athletes. Um, well, I guess to be fair, yeah. Denny Hastert actually touched the student athletes himself. Jim Jordan just knew about it and didn't do a fucking thing. You know, I mean, there, there is a very pervasive culture. Um, I mean, obviously it exists over there, too. Um, as we know all too well, with you know, sports allowing access to 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 children and other, um, well, well, you know, I, I don't want to say at risk parties, but obviously people who are more vulnerable. I don't know um, how we got here because the question was if you were a professional sportsman. No, no, you asked you asked what, what I, things I liked and didn't like about American yeah. sports. All oh, right, okay, sorry. <laughs> I lost myself a little bit because I was I like, mean, I, I would play left field for a major league baseball team, just be like an average to midland baseball player and whatever. But yeah, as the as as the as the pitcher, the main man, or the best batter, like when it comes to baseball. I, you know, it's it's. Obviously, you know, a dominant pitcher more often not gonna gonna you know control a game more than than a dominant. But you know, there's exceptions to that. Just like there is rule in any sport. You know, I mean, Buffon can do amazing things in that, but every once in a while, there's you know, you got a Ronaldo who's uh, 
or capable, or Claudio Reyna for that matter, uh, who's capable of beating him. So, when it comes to baseball, yeah, I watched a bit of it on Channel Five years ago in in Britain. I think we talked about that last week. (laughs) Yeah, we might have. We didn't. We didn't go into depth, right? But there was one guy who was a pitcher. And he looked like a fucking redneck, and he had the long hair. Randy Johnson, and that's him. Seattle Mariners, Seattle Mariners. I'd like to be him. Like he's, he's, he's a, a very nice guy. He's he's actually uh, yeah. I want to be a nice he's guy. A, he's a photographer. A sure. um, Take photos and yeah. not be a nonce. Yeah. No, like, yeah. just like a you know he's a, he's a music photographer and a wildlife photographer now in retirement, and he's one of the best <laughs> major league. I mean. Maybe I'm so the second or third him. best pitcher since the war. I mean, he's he's fucking. He, and like, he also killed a bird during a major league game once. Oh, the uh, a spring training game, yes, with a 99 mile per hour fastball that hit a dove mid flight. Yeah, I've seen fucking exploded it. So. <laughs> oh, he's, the, he's the only guy I remember from the baseball when I was watching it back in the day, and I thought I like him. Yeah, and I'm so happy that no, nowadays you can't really like anybody. In no, case. they make it hard. Yeah. They make it hard to like them, just in case. Oh no! You know, I mean, I'm a Mariners fan, oh, no. and there were there were a lot. Of, you know, we had him. We had, uh, of course, Ken Griffey Jr. Many people. No, Jay Buhner was another very fun. I mean, that, everybody on that team, by and large, was likable. Uh, it did. It didn't win us anything, despite having oh, no, you know like sure. four or five Hall of Famers at one time on the team, but. Uh, you know, at least I can look back and, you know, as you said, no one on my team was a nonce. No one was beating their wife. You know, uh, no, no one was crashing their car drunk at 4 a.m. That kind of, you know, we, we, it was just fun being fun being a Mariners fan and losing every year. <laughs> right. We've maybe get a chance to cover one or two other things very quickly. So, yeah. Um, right, Colin, I'm going to say this. 2015. A 46-year-old woman accidentally took 55 milligram of pure LSD. So five, <laughs> 550 times as much as a recreational dosage. Like, see if you're taking it for fun, you take 0.55 milligrams. So she blacked out for 12 hours and then woke up 12 hours later and felt pleasantly high. A day later... Her chronic foot pain went away and she ended her morphine habit. <laughs> so, what do you think about drugs getting used in trials like this that may help people, but there's a, a voodoo around them like mushrooms, LSD, ketamine? Listen, we've, we've spoke a lot about America, obviously, with Shane being here. One of the big things about America is, is the price of prescription medicine. And if you're taking something that's 550 times your prescription, it's going to be... It's uh, not, but, yeah, there, there's no prescription for LSD, though. There's just a guy that's what I mean. I wouldn't associate LSD with helping pain. Is LSD not where you, you, you start seeing mad shit? It's not like a... Well, I mean, it depends on the person. Yeah, actually, I have the Crowpod today, if you guys want to go hear a horrifying story about LSD you can do, by all means. Sorry, the Crowpod last week now, but... Um, uh-huh. Well remembered. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 
I, you know, it's like you said, I mean, there's a stigma around, well, fuck even marijuana, you know, of course that became a problem over here because all the, all the jazz musicians were smoking it, which of course means again, how do you couch racism? But marijuana is still like a, a class one narcotic, right? Or class A or whatever the hell it is. So it's in there with like heroin and shit uh, on the federal level. That's crazy because we know everything it could do for like pain relief. That way, you know, instead of having uh, 20 million people addicted to fentanyl and all these other heavy narcotics, they could have just been smoking weed the whole goddamn Or being like this woman and tripping her fucking balls off to the point where her foot just stopped hurting. <laughs> my foot is my foot's so much better. But the, like, the, there is like sort of serious research into this, like LSD, oh, yeah. microdosing, microdosing of ketamine to help depression, anxiety, psychosis, taking mushrooms to cure cluster headaches. So that's what, I was, that's what I was more trying to get at, Colin, when I was asking you that question, putting yeah, you in deep end here. I'll try and answer it properly then. Um, Are you going to Google it? No, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> Listen, I think it's a good thing, but I personally, I'm probably too much of a shite bag to, to do it. Um, but, I, but this wouldn't be doing it recreationally. Like, I know. Say but, you were at your lowest point, Colin, yeah. and somebody said to you, look, let's try, let's try some ketamine. To see if that helps your your trauma. If I was my, yeah, if I'm at my lowest ebb and this is a potential lifesaver thing that's going to bring me back to normality, then I would probably try it. Yeah, I think in those circumstances where conventional stuff isn't working and you're facing your mortality basically and no no standard of life, then yeah, you would try anything. I think so. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that. It's it's like my mum knows quite a few people her age, which is early 70s, that right into the CBD oil and stuff like that, and they all talk about it in the bowling club as if it's this, I'm on that CBD oil, you know, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's as if they're on some street corner drug, and obviously it's not the case. I personally, without any actual knowledge about this, think a lot of that is the placebo effect, to be honest. A lot of it could be. A lot of it could be. I've never tried it myself. The closest I've ever... I'm, I'm famously, I don't touch drugs, never really have. Famously? <laughs> Seriously, I just don't do it. I don't do it. Um, I took. Yeah, fat- I think that's in his Twitter bio. <laughs> Famously, doesn't touch drugs. <laughs> I took fat pills once and found out they were just basically speed, and I was just off my nut in work one afternoon, and I've never ever went near it again. It's just you not- took what kind of pills? Sorry, like, they were like fat burning pills that I went and worked. Oh yeah, right, okay. Right. But it was yeah. it, it was some combination of speed and asthma medicine. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you'd be better off smoking meth than taking that yeah. shit. I, I, was, I was like, you know, Spud in train spotting when he's in the job interview. Uh, that, that was me in an afternoon at work that day. I get put in a room out the way of people that would notice. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm just a scaredy cat when it comes to drugs completely. I know I would take one ecstasy pill and die. I would take one line of coke and my nose would fall off. Uh, it's just it wouldn't work for me or my addictive personality would kick in and I would be a complete junkie within days so that's it's the, a part of it is that part of the fear comes from that as well that if I enjoyed it I know the way my personality works with things I would be I'd sink in days in days yeah I really enjoyed all that shit when I tried it first time years like many many years ago now and that was the problem like I know people that tried this stuff one time 
had a bad time. Yeah. I'd never done it again. Yeah. Everything that I tried throughout my, my youth, good time. That's fun. I enjoyed that. Whoa, that was good again. Strange. <laughs> and then it eventually catches up with you and it starts becoming, ah, oh, fuck, no again. So. Yeah. That's that's when you wake up the next morning and look at your billfold and you're like, fucking, god damn oh, Fuck this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, one or two more things then, just to wrap this up. Um, there's Can a I, bacon... There's one. On, yeah, I on you go, mate. Fire through there. Right, because I'm quite interested in this one. Right. Why are so many people in the USA obsessed with who Taylor Swift is dating? <laughs> um... I don't know, other than you know the celebrity culture. Taylor Taylor Swift, though, thankfully gave me one of my favorite Best moments. Jobs. Oh. oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Not one of the only guys she's not been with by now, Shane in America. Uh, I know the, the list is getting smaller. Uh, no, no, one of my great moments of brevity. The the uh, the Eras tour film uh, came out in theaters. Um, whatever, a couple of Fridays ago, whatever the hell it was. Yeah, and uh, you know the 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 other half. I'm sitting at home. She gone you know on Friday night whenever it came out, and I was sitting at home. I was doing some. Actually, I was I was trying to catch up on some stuff. You know, when we brought the crow pod back, it was Friday. It was kind of a shitty rainy night. I didn't feel like going out, so you know, sitting at home having a cocktail, catching up on work, and all of a sudden I get a text from her, not Taylor, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, saying, uh, you know, it's like it. It's almost like you're here. And then, you know, something's obviously trying to load the little spinny wheel below it. Finally, a film, she sent me a video. The first preview in the Taylor Swift film was for a documentary called Religion of Sport that was filmed. It had to be during the 2016-17-ish season because Mark Warburton was the manager about the old firm. So here was this whole, I'm just imagining this whole group of 16 to 56 year old women sitting there eagerly awaiting Taylor Swift coming on and and enjoying this moment together. And the first thing that they got when they got to the theater was Kenny Miller's bald fucking head. Uh, (laughs) Listen to Taylor Swift. <laughs> I saw. I was like I, the, the trauma that it would cause. Like if you know, if I was like uh, you know, the world's crazy. You know, we've got everything happening in Israel and the Ukraine, and you know, there's another Armenian genocide. And my God, it's like yeah, I'm just gonna get away to the cinema for a few hours and enjoy this new uh, Scorsese film or whatever it may be. And I got my my you know Junior Mints and my soda. <laughs> That I could bathe in. It's so goddamn big and my huge, you know, and I'm settled into my chair. And yes, I am just going to be able to distract myself for a few. Oh my God, it's fucking Kenny Miller. Oh my God. Just <laughs> like freaking, you know, like just screaming, running out of the theater, screaming about Josh Windass and fucking Lee Hodson, like free basing butter out of the fucking machine <laughs> in the lobby. Just laying there. I mean, and, and, no, you wouldn't be able to explain it. That what the hell? he just had a psychotic breakdown. No, no, I just saw Mark <laughs> Warburton on the touchline at Ibrox again. And my God, 
I genuinely don't think there's a better place to wrap this episode up, to be honest with you. I think that'll do us. That will do us this again. Shane, there's tons of questions here left. If you would be so kind to come back on, actually in a couple of weeks or whatever, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll maybe cover the rest of the stuff that's, right. that, that we've got in front of us. But I've really enjoyed it, mate. And yeah, like I say, alien race to me, the Americans. But you've explained it pretty well. <laughs> I, I, I try, you know. We 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 get down with some, but you know, obviously Todd's Canadian; they don't count. But nope. uh, you know, you get you get, you get the crow pod. We 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 cover plenty of uh, well, shit from all three of our countries. So uh, yeah, you can find that wherever you guys know. You guys know the drill, but I mean, everybody they know the drill. They know the drill. Point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everybody knows. Right, Colin, magic. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks again, Shane and Jack, for Clayton. Cheers. All well done. Nice show. Enjoyed right. that. Speak soon. Colin, I personally don't think there's anybody still listening, and if they are, they're pretty hardcore long-term memory fans, and I would be expecting them to go and sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wrong-term memory, or by clicking the link in the show notes. Absolutely, and if for whatever reason they can't do that and paying for content isn't their bag, they can still offer us continual support by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mm-hmm.